Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Good morning, everybody. What's up? What's up? Man, it's a lively crowd today. It's a bunch of people ready to blow stuff up. That's what I feel like. Just ready to get out there. Okay, okay. So let's, let's be honest. We, uh, it's the 4th of July. And uh, if you're here on the 4th of July on a holiday, not a holiday weekend, on a holiday, give yourselves a hand. You know what I mean? Like, this is a crew that deserves to be honored a little bit. So what's up? It's good to see you guys. I'm glad you're here on the 4th. It's going to be fun. We're going to get in the Word. We're going to have a good time. But before we do that, I need to hear, you know, we got to talk about some fun 4th of July traditions. I see some people in here that look dangerous. I'm looking at you, John Mark. I know you might do some dangerous things, just scary things on the 4th of July. So what are, I'm kidding, but what are some, what are some fun things you guys do? Shout them out. What's, what's the tradition? What's the family tradition? Let's go. Grill. Okay. Let's stop there for a second. Grill. Who's grilling? Who's grilling? Oh man. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Who's in charge of grilling in your family? Oh, I see a few. Okay. I got you. Now, a couple couples, two hands, one up. I'm praying for y'all. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that that look. That's good. Okay, grilling, that's a good tradition. Anybody else? Fireworks. Fireworks. Can we get get somebody back up here to sing God Bless America again? Because I tell you what, right now, I'm blowing up some fireworks. Okay, uh, who, who loves spending a little too much money on fireworks? Let's raise your hand. I know that my family, we had something called the bucket of death. And if, if, that seems like too much. Trust me, it's not. That's exactly what it was. And my mom, literally, we had the whole neighborhood come together. They put money together so me and my brother could build the bucket of death. And it was multiple metal trash cans that we linked together with as much explosives as we possibly could. And we basically lit it on fire. Multiple years of the fire department coming out and warning us. And we were like, this is America. If we want to blow something up on the 4th of July, you can get back in that truck. You know what I mean? And it was, it was great. Uh, luckily, we knew some people in the fire department. They were cool with it. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we, uh, we love fireworks. It's dangerous. It's fun. But my mom put an end to it. Uh, raise your hand if, if you're one of those moms that put the end to some dangerous things. Anybody willing to admit that? Okay, good. Hey, I just want to say to you moms that have done that, thank you. Uh, your, 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 your kids can probably still see out of both eyes because of you. Uh, so well done. Okay, so we got grilling. We got fireworks. Anybody else? Those are the two main ones. Any other traditions? What? what? Let's go over here. Family gatherings. I love it. That's a big thing. Yeah, man, 4th of July coming together, the family coming together and eating a lot and blowing things up. You know what I mean? It just mixes it all together. Uh, It seems like the 4th of July is a a weekend where there's less tension than Thanksgiving. I don't know. Maybe it's that we're getting our energy out. (laughs) It's like there's no family explosives because we're really blowing things up. Okay, anyway, uh, family gatherings. One more. Decorating. Yes. Okay, that's good. That is definitely good. Okay, who in here has got an American flag on right now? That's what I want to know. Anybody? I got you. Anybody else? Let's see. Uh, Coach, what's up, man? Good to see you. you got it. There we go. Good, good. My dad is famous for it. He, on the 4th of July, by God, he is going to have a full-on, he's like draped in an American flag. It's like tied around him. So anyway, okay. Well, it's the fourth. You're here. We're going to dive into the word. Um, I would, I, well, wait, wait, wait. Before I do that, I want to give you my favorite Fourth of July tradition. And my favorite Fourth of July tradition is inevitably 
somebody walking up to me and my wife and saying, Katerina, how does your family in Germany celebrate the 4th of July? <laughs> and my favorite response is, the same way they celebrate Thanksgiving. And if that's not funny to you, think about it a little bit longer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, moving on. We're in our series called Sunday School. All right. Sunday School. And we all have different, some of us have different memories of Sunday School. Some of us don't. But for me, uh, it's a memory of when I was a, a kid and my parents would take me to take me to church and I would go into a room and, and learn about fun Bible stories. That was, that, I do have that memory from, from being a child and having that happen. Some of you have memories of childhood where your parents were dragging you to a place you did not want to go, right? And it was like, I don't want to go because some old person will yell at me, you know, that or whatever. That could be your memory of Sunday school. Some of you have memories as an adult going and diving into the Word and being challenged. And, uh, and some of you have no memory of Sunday school. In fact, you have no idea what it means. You're just like, what is this, school on Sunday? I don't know what you're talking about. So if you're in Camp 1, if, if Sunday school, we're just going to have gonna I need to see where my audience is at. Be honest, be real. There's not a test at the end. You're not going to get in trouble. If you remember Sunday school as a child, like this fun thing that you got to go and learn the word, would you raise your hand? Anybody? We got? Wow, man, that's awesome. Look around. This is good. This is good. Okay. If you remember Sunday school, come on, this is a little bit more, you might be a little tense about this. I promise you're not going to get in trouble. But if you remember Sunday school, it was like something your parents had to drag you to. Will you raise your hand? Yeah. That's it. I'm, I'm there with you. I had some of that too, especially when I got a little bit older. You know, I was like, Dad, I just want to sleep in. He's like, you need Jesus. I'm like, no, you do, bro. Headbutt. Um, I never headbutted my dad. Um, I did headbutt a door one time. Made no sense. Okay, if you're, if you're an adult that has any memory of like going and being discipled, does anybody have that where you went to Sunday school and got discipled a little bit as an adult? Okay, good. And raise your hand if you have, you've just never had any experience with Sunday school. Okay, cool. My German wife. <laughs> okay, there's a few others. Are you German? I'm kidding. Uh, okay. Um, all right. So what are we what are we talking about here uh, in our Sunday school? Listen, this is a chance for us as a church to come together and simply look at stories in the Word, get some truth from it that applies to our world. So wherever your background is with Sunday school, this is what we're doing here. And I love what Dwayne said, Pastor Dwayne. He bring. I called you, man. This guy bring the word last week. Can we get it for Dwayne, my brother? What's up, man? That was a great word last week. If you were here, and then second service, we had Austin who preached and brought about our history as Christians. But we're diving into the Word of God, taking some truth and and walking with it in our life. That's what we're going to do here today. So, uh, if you will turn with me to Genesis 18, we're going to look at a portion of the story of a guy named Abraham. And we're going to look at it's somewhat of a, uh, hmm, it's a touchy story in the Word of God. Uh, but I want to dive into it with you guys, and I, and I want us to extract a challenge to two different styles of thinking that exist. Um, and so if you're turning to chapter 18, we're going to go to verse uh, 22. Uh, but first, let's pray. God, we welcome you to be part of our Sunday school today. Thank you so much, as everyone has already said before me, for the freedom that you give us in this country to be able to talk about your word, to learn together, to gather together. And God, thank you 
that we are at a place in our world right now where we can come together in a room like this and, and take those masks off and, and worship you and talk about you together. We're, we're blessed and we're thankful for this. But today I ask specifically, Lord, that you teach us through your word, you challenge us through your truth, and you give us the freedom to ask questions, to wonder about things that we don't have answers to, and to know that this is a safe place to do it because you're a good and faithful God. In Jesus' name, everybody said All right, so a little bit of context. Basically, uh, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah have lived lifestyles that are far from God, far from his, uh, his goodness, far from the way he would want life to be lived. It's, again, a very, there's some controversy in these stories. There's some questions about, uh, about God and his goodness in this story, and, and we're going to answer some of that. But we're really going to specifically focus on what precedes this moment in Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you don't know that story, it's a story of a, a group of cities that are completely far from God that are destroyed. And so there's this moment with Abraham. And so these men turned, this is verse 22, these men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham, these men, these are angels, messengers of God. Then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? God, suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. (laughs) Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the place for their sake. Now pause real quick. We're going to keep going in just a minute, but this reminds me of my kids. My kids, you know, when when they want something, man, how is it that a four-year-old is a master negotiator? Have you noticed the parents? Come on. Have you seen this? And I mean, my daughter, she's, she's six now. I mean, but now she's got a degree in it somehow. I'm like, how, like they will come and they will, they will be like, but dad, if this, then what? And they like, it's like, I'm like, you were playing chess in your brain. You were 15 moves ahead of me. And it's just crazy how they do this. He, so here is this puny little man before the God of the universe. And he's saying, far be it from you, God. Oh, just God to do such a thing. But do you see the manipulation? I mean, I'm telling you, man, that is, that is some manipulative stuff. Okay. So that's what he does. He's doing that. And then Abraham answered and said, so God says, sure. Okay. 50. Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes. I don't know if y'all read the word the same way I do, but this is, this, is, this is getting real. You know what I mean? This is my kid. But father, but dad, far be it from me who have been created by you, O great father, but I hunger for ice cream, you know? Suppose, suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy if I find 45 there. So now we know one thing about God. He can do math, okay? (laughs) Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. And he answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, Lord, (laughs) let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he answered, okay, I I won't do it if I find 30 there. And he said, behold, I I mean, guys, 
I do not know how we don't read the word of God and laugh. Like, this is funny. This is humorous what's happening. He said, behold, if I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, suppose, but there were just 20. And he answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet again, but this one. Suppose 10 are found there. And he answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. Okay, there's so much subtext in that sentence, the Lord went his way. I've, I've argued with my daughter for 45 straight minutes before putting her to bed. And if I were to tell you that story and then end it with Chris went away, it's, it's not, that, not that simple. It's like, and Chris slammed the door and went away fuming in anger. You know, I mean, I don't think that's what God was doing here, obviously. But I feel like at the end of this conversation, the Lord is like, it is time for me to go. I, I'm done with this negotiation. But here we have Abraham negotiating with God. We have Abraham asking God to change his mind. And I think it brings up some incredible questions, church, that we should ask ourselves about the nature and the character of God, about our role as it comes to interceding and our role as it comes to life on this earth. So here are some questions. Can we bargain with God? Is that what, is that what Abraham was even doing? Can we change God's mind? Is God willing to change his mind? Maybe a funny question can be, can God be annoyed? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm going to offer a possible answer to this. Now, notice I'm not saying the answer because I tend to try to come, since we're in Sunday school, I'm going to give you my take on the word. I, I try to come at the word of God with a spirit of humility that offers a possible answer to something, never the answer. Because how many of us know one day we might wake up in heaven and be real surprised about things we thought were the answer, and God says, yeah, you were way off, right? So I want to come at this with a, a humility that says this is a possible answer to these questions that if you've never asked them before, you're welcome for being here today because now you are. If you've never thought about this scripture and now you are, you're like, man, my brain is exploding. Like, am I allowed to bargain with God? Does it work that way? And here's my answer to that complex question. I don't believe God changes his mind. And I don't believe God can be argued with. What I believe is in this moment, Abraham was asking a flawed question. Okay. So God is standing there in this discussion with Abraham. And by the way, Abraham is this man that God loves that he is in covenant with. So he's in relationship with Abraham. So he's willing to stand there through this process that Abraham is going through. Pause and enter yourself. If you're a believer in here, if you've chosen Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can enter into ridiculous conversation with a loving father and he will never turn you away. No question will be scoffed at. No moment of immaturity will be overlooked by God as ridiculous. He will embrace you. He will listen to you because Abraham's questions were all wrong. Abraham's route in this was all wrong. And I'm going to prove it to you, hopefully, with a couple of scriptures that we can look at if you want to go Old Testament theology or New Testament theology. So Abraham's questions were flawed. God, if there are but 50 righteous God said, sure, because he knew the answer. Oh, God, if there are 45. God, if there are 40. God, if there are 30. He could have gone. He might have well skipped all the questions, but God's patient, and he let him go through the process. And he could have said, God, if there's just one. And God would have said, sure, I'll save it. Why? 
because there's none righteous, not one. And God knew the answer to that from the very beginning. So let's go. Let's look. Romans 3.10, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. And if we want to go Old Testament, and this is a little bit more punchy, I challenge any of you to put this on your refrigerator and encourage people. <laughs> Isaiah 64.6, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filth. That's my best golem. I can't really do it. It's really hard on the vocal cords. Okay, let's read that again without the weirdness. Okay, we are all infected. Listen to this, believers, Christ followers in the room, understand something. We are all infected. We are all impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, oh, we, we went to church on the 4th of July. We sang, God bless America, you know. Our righteous deeds, they're nothing but filthy rags like autumn leaves. I mean, I'm telling you, you say this, this is so encouraging. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall. Our sins sweep us away like the wind. Okay. Why am I encouraging you so much today with this? It's because Abraham, he represented something that was to come later which is one who could ask that question to the Father, that could stand in for a people that were far from God, and could stand as the one who is righteous and save all those who were not. Abraham was a type of Jesus. Later on, he was showing us a picture of what Jesus would eventually become, which is our Lord and Savior. And so I encourage you guys, when you look at this, Jesus came to do something Abraham could not. Abraham couldn't go, is there right? Is there right? Jesus got to say, there is one righteous. It's me. And I gave my life for you and you and you and you and all around the room. I gave my life for you. So I want to in investigate two camps that I find our, ourselves in, and especially in our modern cultures. We look at this picture of Abraham and these questions. Okay. Camp one is a group of people that I believe are trying to protect people from God protect people from the church. You know what this looks like. It, it's, it's like Abraham, he's going, but God, how could you do that? If you're a just God, if you're a righteous God, how could you do this, that, and the other? God, I got to protect this group of people because those people over there are doing all these different things. That's a camp. There's a camp of people that believe that. I believe they fall under the, the Abraham world of things. And there's a camp that I believe that are out there that are trying to judge people with God or for God. And those people might be, I don't know, ambassadors of some of the writings of Paul or whatever, looking at these scriptures, determining what they think, and then holding a bar for people and saying, hmm, looks like you've been far away from the Lord recently. Judgment. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a group of people out there that are doing that. And I want to pastor you, if I could today, away from either of those camps and toward Jesus. You don't need to protect people from God. He is a good father. He's come to protect us. You don't need to judge people for God. He is just, and only he knows the heart of a man or a woman. And so that's what we're going to teach on today through this story. And then really quickly, John three sixteen through 17, just to give us a base of where we're going with this. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, come on, that no one needs to be destroyed by believing in him, anyone. I mean, if you're taking notes, if you're writing anything down, anyone is an important thing to remember. Anyone, any, any nation, any race, any economy level, 
any sin, anyone with any particular sin type that they live in, anyone, okay, can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. Camp two, let's watch that, right? But to tell the world, not to tell the world how bad it was, he came to put the world right again. So if we're, if we find ourselves in camp one, which is this group of people that are saying, oh man, yeah, man, it's my, it's my job in life and I can fall into this. I'm the kind of pastor that I want to run to the broken. I love it when I'm around people that are just broken and messed up and far from God. I got a little bit of this guy named Mark Pegley in me. If you don't know Mark Pegley, he talks like this. I mean, you don't think it's real, but it is. Like, I'm telling you, there's witnesses here that could testify. He talks like that, and he says, Chris, Dr. Beck, every once in a while will call me. Chris, you're just a warrior for the king. Dark world needs you. Go in there. Bring the light. I'm like, did you? I Hello? Is this cardiac arrest? You know what I mean? Like, I get nervous. Uh, anyway, but he, he encourages me. I love it. I love it. And every once in a while, you guys, every once in a while, I can find myself reading the word and going, God, you need my help protecting. You need my help protecting these people. And I just feel the Lord reminding me, no, no, I don't. I love you, son, but I am their father. I will reach them the way I know to reach them. And I want to share a quick story about my bride and I and some of our testimony. When Katerina and I have gone through things that marriages, all marriages go through ups and downs. And we, we went through a hard time. And during that hard time, my wife looked at me at this one point. It was just the most amazing thing. We, we were struggling with a lot of stuff. And she just looked at me and she's, she's German, you know, and she's like, Chris, what about the Asians? I was like, what about the Asians? What, what are you talking about? And she was like, What's about them? Are they all, is it over for them? If they don't know Jesus, they are going to hell now. What is happening? Like, she's asking me this question. I'm like, man, babe, like, we, had, we, we got other things I thought we were going to talk about today. You know, like, in life, she was like, I want to know your answer now. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, and, and so she's going through this where she's questioning the goodness of God. Come on, man, if you're in here and you've never thought that way, again, I'm not trying to blow your world up, but, man, you probably aren't thinking, <laughs> You're probably not sitting back and asking deep questions. And I think it's safe to ask those questions. So we talked about that. And I remember, like, after we talked and I gave her my, my best pastoral answer, like, well, we, God is good. And uh, the Bible says, and I've been a Baptist boy my whole life. Tucka, tucka, tucka. You know, I didn't know how to do it. And, it's, and you know what? At the end of it, she was like, your answers are insufficient, and I am German. I looked at her and I was like, babe, you know what? And listen, I want to say this to all y'all. I don't have all the answers. I just have faith that God is good. And I'm doing my best to follow him. And that was good enough for her and I to continue on this journey. But I remember, listen, this is where I say, I felt like I got to be God's protector. I got to protect, protect. And I was like, God, I remember praying for her. God, just help her listen to more Hillsong, Lord. Oh, Father, if she will only turn on Hillsong United, all the answers will come to her through the modern Christian music that thou hast bestowed upon the world, the long-haired dudes that sing the gospel so graciously, so beautifully with their Australian accents. 
She never did that. <laughs> then I was like, oh, Lord, if but she will read Power of a Praying Wife, <laughs> then you will move upon her, God, and you will speak the word to her. You know, then I was like, Lord, if she would only... I mean, whatever, I wasn't quite so ridiculous, but I was praying these prayers. And I'm telling you, man, God hit me like a ton of bricks one day when I was praying. And he said, why don't you let me reach my daughter how I know to reach her? And I said, well, dang, God, when you put it that way, I sound like an idiot, you know. (laughs) So, hey. Hey, my protectors, my Abrahams out there, always trying to, I got, hey, why don't you calm down? He knows how to reach that person you think you have to protect. He knows how to find that person that you think, I've just got to find him. I'm not saying I kept praying for my wife, but I trusted the king. I trusted a good, good father to go and reach her the way he needed to. And I'm telling you, it's a peaceful way to live. And it opens up the ability of God to move in ways you never thought possible. Stacy Sears, amazing person that goes to our church. She's a yoga instructor and just amazing. And God had this incredible connection between Katerina. God gave her a word for Katerina while I was like, Lord, if but she would only come to the sanctuary and pray, you know, I, whatever I'm thinking all this and all of a sudden cat and going to yoga class this woman Caesar walks over and speaks a word God was like I'll reach her where I want to reach her I'll reach her how I want to reach her I'll speak to her when I want to speak to her and your job is to love listen to me love her and pray that is what I want to speak to you today amen okay so camp one camp one we're over here we're like okay I can I can trust that Jesus can can do this I can trust that I can watch a good father pursue his people. I've got testimony in that in my life. If you want to hear more about that, I'm free to talk to you after service. Well, it's the fourth. We know we're going to go grill. Never mind. I'm kidding. You can come talk to me after service. We can dig into this stuff more. But okay, let's talk about camp two. Now, I got to be more careful on this one because there's something about me that's really kind of an oxymoron a little bit. I judge judgmental people. figure that out. You know what I mean? Like, but that's how I feel. So I got to be careful on this camp because I can look at this camp and get a little bit like, yeah, you guys just don't get it. You know, you just don't get Jesus. He's so cool. You know, but I'm, so I'm going to be careful, but camp two, you guys may think that you have a few things worked out in what you believe. And you know, a couple things that are leading others to destruction and you feel the need to at times come across in a way that I believe can create overcorrection in people that says, if I don't do this, if I don't act this way, it'd be like Abraham going, I'm going to stand in Sodom and Gomorrah and I'm not leaving because I'm righteous and God, you can't bust this place down because I'm going to stand here. And it's like, we try to put ourselves in this place where we're going to do something about it. We're going to make it happen or even worse. Like that's part of camp too. But another part of camp too could be, we sit back and go, wow, man, they're going to hell. Man, they are not saved. Too bad. Oh. And we, we do it in a nice Christian way. Oh, shucks. They don't know Jesus, do they? People that know Jesus wouldn't do that. <laughs> anyway, so last week, this girl was talking to me at work and she was like, blah, blah, blah. And we just start gossiping and sinning ourselves, right? Like we, we judge others and God and his word, I believe is saying, Hey, look at the plank in your own eye before looking at the splinter in somebody else's. 
And I think the Lord is also saying, like I was thinking about in the, in, the, in the book of James, there's this moment where he says, out of the same mouth shall not proceed praises and curses. And I always used to look at that because I had a problem with cursing. Sorry. You know, when I was growing up, maybe still. Uh, anyway, you know, like and I, I tell people all the time, it's like, I thought that it was like cursing like, that Jim's a real son of a gun. What would you think I was going to say? Settle down. Come on, we're in church. Uh, but I, I would think that when you say cursing, it's like just a curse word. But if you look in the Greek, that word katara, it means it's cursing. Cursing means like the ground will, have no, it will not grow. It's cursed. It's dead. And when we begin to look at somebody, watch this. We begin to look at somebody and be like, oh, whew, man. I'm just not seeing any fruit. That tree's dead. That's a curse. We're speaking towards somebody's life. I just say caution you camp too. Caution you camp too to not do that, to not look over at somebody and be like, they're cursed or because of this, they can't be or won't be or shouldn't be. Don't look over there at that camp and judge. Guard your heart from that. Man, I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing to do because out of the same mouth shouldn't come praises and curses. So here's what I've tried to do in my life to avoid camp two. Because I've got the things I think. I've got sins. I'm not going to name those sins because I don't want to make anyone feel judged in here. Because I guarantee you some of the sins I think of or used to think of and go, whoa, man. Probably there are people in here who have lived them. But I've got to guard myself and understand there's none righteous, not one. And only the name of Jesus can save me. Only the name of Jesus can save them. And so even if they're living in the middle of that, I don't want to sit back and judge, but I want to figure out how I can move to camp three. Okay. Camp one, we feel like we got to protect people from God. Camp two, we're trying to, we're trying to join God in judging people. Here's camp three, freedom. Camp three is living a life of freedom. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He talks about this, are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? He's talking to people that are feeling like, I can't do this. I can't live this life where I'm always trying to figure out God and protect people. I can't do this, live this life where I'm constantly judging others and in turn judging myself in ways. I've got to find a different way to live. And so here's what I want you to think of. I want you to live a life free from the burden that you must earn right standing with God. Because we have proven even in just a few scriptures today, you cannot do that. It's only the name of Jesus that can do that. So free, you're free. You're free to stop trying to earn it. You can't. Listen, the good news seems too good to be true, but that's exactly why it's the gospel. It's because it, it's so incredible. It doesn't make sense. And so you just sit back. You can be free of that burden in camp three. In camp three, you can be free from the burden that you must protect this world that's certainly going to be destroyed. That's not your role because Jesus came to do that. God says, I will do that. So you can be free from that and live life free of that burden. You can live life free of anger towards others' sins and their choices. I mean, I hear people all the time, this culture, you know, we just get so angry. Can I just challenge you? Camp one, camp two, we are not at war with culture. We're supposed to engage it and guide it and be this light in the midst of it. And we can never do that if we think God is evil and is going to attack the world. And we can't do it if we think we are better and we are judging the world. 
We can only do it when we understand that Jesus called us to live a life of peace and love and grace towards others. And this is how you live. You live like this, like much like I talked about earlier. You wake up every day, you say, Jesus, I want to love you with all I got. I want to follow you with all I got. And when I want to show it by loving others. If we live a life that way, it's peace. That's what I want, I want us to have today is we live in the camp of freedom, freedom to live in this life that God invites us to. So I want to say this, and I want it to sink in. Abraham was asking the wrong questions, maybe even praying the wrong prayers. Now, I'm not saying God was frustrated with him or anything like that. I'm saying those questions were not the right questions. Those prayers were not the right prayers. He was working towards something he could never achieve, the salvation of a group of people that were far from God. My question to you, New Life Church, downtown Little Rock, are we doing that ourselves? Are we asking the wrong questions? Are we praying the wrong prayers? Are we working towards something we can never achieve at times on our own? And I have a simple challenge to you today is get before the king and ask him, what questions should I be asking? What prayers should I be praying? God, what actions should I be taking in order to live my life for you? For you. Not for New Life Church, not for whatever else. Like, what are you asking me to do? Earlier, and Caleb, wherever you are, there he is. Come forth and play great music for me. Today's been a day of very much this voice. Okay, um, can we give it up for Caleb? I love this guy. But Sarah, and Sarah, his bride, Sarah loves attention. And if I could draw all of your eyes to Sarah, and uh, if you would just stand up, Sarah, so that we can all cheer for you. She loves it. Okay. She doesn't love that. I learned that a long time ago. It's some, there was some random moment that we had upon the stage long ago, and she was like, why are you doing this? So naturally, I did it again, given the first chance I had. Okay. Um, if you guys could, just go, go with me on this. Earlier we sang, great are you, Lord. I think it's, it's, it's easy at times to believe God is great. Because great means some big things. It's like we can believe he's the creator. We can believe maybe that he's done great things. But listen, he is great. But it also means he's good. He's a good father. He's a good God. Great are you, Lord, but good are you as well. Great are you, Lord, but just are you, Lord. Just. Come on. You're a God of justice. You're a God that understands justice more than any politician or any pastor ever will. I will never understand justice like God. And no matter what how I vacillate between camp one and camp two at times or try to live in camp three as hard as I can. God is a God of justice. And I'm going to tell you, if anything I said today or anything I ever say is wrong, I go back to it and say, God, you're a God of justice and I trust you in the end. Can you commit to that in your life and in, in your heart? You're saying, I don't get it, but you're a God of justice. I don't know what's going to happen to all the people of India or whatever country you want to choose and say, I don't understand I don't know what that happens. What, that's a tough question. But God, you're a God of justice, and I trust you. That you have a way. That you are good. That you are just. Merciful are you, Lord. You're a God of mercy. Church, today I invite you 
to just say, God, help me ask the right questions. God, help me pray the right prayers. And God, help me come to you with every bit of it every day and rest. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.